It's that time again, Our Town Live, where friends, family, people you know, and others you'd rather not know share with us their unique bits of wisdom. And now, here's Herb, your host, for another show. We have as our guest today Mark Williams, the president and CEO of Brokers International, one of the industry's largest field marketing organizations, referred in the trade as an IMO, Independent Marketing Organization. He provides annuity and life insurance solutions to independent insurance and financial professionals across the nation. Mark, what exactly is an IMO? It's a great question, Herb. Thanks for asking. So an IMO uh, is an insurance marketing organization or independent marketing organization, and there's actually three or four different uh, terms for us, but essentially we're the middleman between an insurance agent and an insurance company. As an insurance agent, you can be uh, contracted or appointed to an insurance carrier in several ways. One would be that you represent that company entirely, meaning every product that you recommend comes simply from one company. And that's usually a captive agent. And those agents generally work for that company. Um, they're employees of the company, and they get compensated only selling that one company's products. The other way uh, an agent can represent a company is being independent. If they're independent, they represent multiple companies, and when they talk to the consumer, they can represent several companies. Independent agents often work through organizations like ours, our marketing company. And what we do is recruit agents to our organization to represent those carriers, and then we help those agents um, market their business, get in front of more customers, provide product support across all the companies that we represent. Um, And uh, so essentially, we are the distributor of the insurance products to the end agent. That's what a marketing company is. How old is your company? So we're one of the oldest in the industry. Currently, we are celebrating our 35th year in the business. So we have been, uh, we have been helping agents for the past 35 years. We do business in all 50 states, and we have about 4,000 agents that represent the companies that we have on our shelf. How many employees do you have? We are currently at 118 employees, full-time employees. Wow. More than the last time we talked, huh? Yes, correct. We uh, Two years ago, we moved our location from west of Des Moines, about 40 miles west of Des Moines, to a suburb of Des Moines, about 40 miles. Um, and we moved 100 employees at that time two years ago, and we are currently at 118. Wow, that's fantastic. What should an IMO do? your kind of business, to assist agents in developing their practice. What will they get from you that they just can't do on their own? Sure. So there are several things that a, that a, a marketing comp- that an agent should expect from their marketing company. In my experience over the past 27 years, I, I believe that agents want three things. They want three things, and then there's a fourth that they might not know they want. The first one is they want to get in front of more customers. The number one biggest issue with anyone in any business is finding people to sell to or customers or to offer services to. So first and foremost, there should be a way that the marketing company is getting them in front of more customers. The second thing most independent agents want is to write more business. And usually that comes from the first. So if you can see more people, hopefully you'll write more business. And the third thing they want, which every business owner wants, is to increase their revenue and reduce their expense. So are there ways that the marketing company can help them, number one, get in front of more people, number two, help them write more business, and three, make a little more money? And the fourth, which most agents don't think about, is how they protect themselves. So specifically to answer your question, 
the first thing that marketing, marketing companies do is help create um, either seminar systems or mailers or some sort of uh, helping an agent market their business. Um, we do that in several ways. Let me, let me, stop, you right, let me stop you right there, if I may. I, wrote, I took a lot of time to write out some questions. I want to make sure we've had requests to talk to someone like you in your business. I want to make sure I get those right. I just don't want to pick them off the air. What are your thoughts about the use of social marketing for them? I Did believe you do anything today, to help with that? Yep, I, uh, 100%. So I believe today that social media marketing is cold calling. The days of literally picking up the phone and using the phone book, which is what, what we did 25, 30 years ago, it, it, it's almost impossible today to call someone and get them live on the phone. So the one way that businesses now are getting to their customers through social media. That's where we're consuming, our, that, that's taking up our time. That's where our eyeballs, so to speak, are going. So yes, I believe that social media is the way to contact contact people today. And the way an F, uh, the way a marketing company can help you do that is to help number one create marketing campaigns. Literally, what's the verbiage? What's the ad look like? How do you find those people in that demographic area? How do you advertise on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter? And those are the things that we are helping agents do. So yes, I think it's incredibly important that they use social media in marketing. Two hot areas that. I hear people talking about your business, the agents especially, are video and podcasts. Do you help them create those things? Do you advise them? What do you do in those two areas, if you believe in those areas at all? Yep, so 100% I believe in video. The number two search engine in the world currently is YouTube, and YouTube is a video platform. And even if you notice through your scroll on LinkedIn or through Facebook, there's more and more video because the consumers are reading less and less. Right. We have a program that actually um, we help agents create a professional video. It's shot in a, in a, um, in a studio. We have uh, pre-approved through compliance scripts, and we help you write a script about your business so it's customized to you. We bring you into um, our studio. We film, the, we film a 30-second or a minute uh, commercial, so to speak, on your practice. And once again, it's pre-approved through compliance. And you'll end up at the end of the session with a 30-second, 45-second, or 60-second video that you can use both on your website. You can post it in an email. You can post it on, on any social media link. You'd even be able to use it in a commercial if you bought that time, or we can help you buy time on uh, any uh, cable or uh, broadcast station in the country. Do they have to give you a certain amount of production before you help them with these things, or can you take a... Uh, somebody new that signs up with you and you get them going right away, that great that. Yep, great great question. So first and foremost, we are not an ad agency. So we do not sell our marketing services unless you are doing business with us. And what does that mean? An agent has to be appointed to one of the companies that we do business with, and they do have to be writing business. Based on the amount of business that they write with us, we might help subsidize the cost of that video, or we might charge them the outright amount of the video if they wish, but they have to be doing some sort of business with us. Interesting. For your agents that, that contract with you and that you help out, what do you feel is more important, sales training or product training? I would believe sales training. Um, sales training is um, much more about the consumer. It's um, overcoming the consumer's objections. It's learning how to sit, where to sit, when to sit, when to ask for the clothes, um, overcoming certain objections. Those sales techniques and tips um, will travel with you regardless of what you're selling. 
Then there's the products. The products, for the most part, all work the same. So if someone has the fundamental basics of the product, the chassis, if you will, if you understand how the engine runs, it doesn't matter if it's a car or a truck. The other, the, uh, the other features and benefits you'll learn. That's, the, in my opinion, the easier part. The harder part is learning how to deal with the customer. Those sales techniques that, regardless of the product you're selling, those sales techniques are the ones that could be the difference between a sale and not a sale. Fantastic. Another question about the agents. What do your most productive agents do that the average producer doesn't do? What separates the also reds from the top producers? Great question. So I think it's a, a, a fundamentally, I would tell you it's a system. I'm a big believer in a system, much like the assembly line from Ford. I'm not saying this is the most productive system, but if you were to literally knock on doors, walk door to door to 100 homes, and ask 100 people, would you like to buy insurance? I believe at some point in time someone will say yes. Now that system might not be the most efficient or the most productive, but I think you'd sell insurance. The best agents I have seen, in my experience, have a system. They'll take that system and then become more efficient with it. Now, specifically, you asked me what are some of the better systems out there. There are three or four platforms that I think are fantastic. The first one is seminar marketing. If you can somehow educate the consumer in a comfortable environment where there's no obligation and simply education, I have seen seminars and educational seminars work fantastically well because the consumer is getting an education, they, they don't feel pressured, there's no obligation, and at the end of that education, oftentimes the consumer wants to do business with those that educated them. So system number one oftentimes is um, seminar or educational, uh, educational marketing. That would can be you do that, number one. Can you do that on the Internet, or do you have to have a, uh, a big meal and that kind of thing, like been going on for 100 years? Um, we haven't seen a ton of success with Internet uh, conferencing, or, or I'll call it group chatting or group, uh, you know, a group setting. Right. I think over time that will come. The challenge is if you do it over a social setting, people could be hundreds of miles away. And so I, what I can watch on the Internet or be a part of might not be geographically um, easy for me to get to that consumer. Right. I do think at some point in time there'll be more, there will be a bigger use of Skype and FaceTime to do meetings. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen a lot of success with that. But if I go back to your other question, when I refer to the systems, that's just one system. There's two or three others that I think um, people can be very successful with. Um, radio shows. They're difficult to get on. But for the, the right agent who has enough time and can put in, you know, 35, 45, 55 minutes a week to a show, and then the couple hours it takes to um, get, be prepared for that show, a radio show um, reaches a very large audience and gives someone a large exposure. It is a little bit more expensive, but it does, does give you some credibility, and it also gives you a great platform to reach a lot of people. The third system I've seen work extremely well are those agents that have taken the time to build a tax practice. They're either partnering with a CPA or they're offering uh, uh, tax services, tax preparation services, along with their insurance service. Will that work all year, year long or just during April? Well, what's nice about the, the tax practice is from January through April, you're doing tax preparation and um, 
and you're offering tax service, the rest of the year you have the ability to follow up with those consumers that have uh, that did tax returns with you and set appointments for annual reviews and to discuss um, financial planning mm-hmm. after they've done their tax return. Interesting. So once again, I'll go back to any, uh, I believe a system a system, uh, almost any system works as long as you have a system that you can that you become that becomes more efficient over time. There are several in the industry, and there are several that Brokers International offers uh, to help an agent e- e- prepare for and make more efficient the system that they're currently working with. Two more questions about business, and we're going somewhere else. What type of products are hot today? The two main products that we offer on our platform are life insurance and annuities. Within those, there are several subcategories. The the quote-unquote hottest or most popular products currently are indexed universal life insurance, where the growth of their cash value is tied to to an index such as the S&P 500 or the Russell or the Wilshire. The sister product to that, which isn't life insurance, doesn't provide a death benefit, but does provide a steady stream of income over someone's lifetime would be an annuity. And the hottest annuity currently is uh, an indexed annuity or fixed indexed annuity where the growth of the, uh, of the account or, or the growth of the client's uh, portfolio is tied to, a, again, tied to an index. Those two types of products right now in our space are the hottest products in the industry currently. One other item. What about agents that want to offer security-related products? Do you do that, and should they or should they not? Fantastic. Great question. Uh, Number one, Brokers International uh, does offer, we own a broker-dealer, and we also own a registered investment advisor. So for those agents that want to do assets under management or they want to sell stocks and bonds and mutual funds, we do have an outlet for that here at Brokers International. Whether an agent should or should not all depends on the type of practice they offer. Usually I answer this way. If all you want to offer your clients is insurance, you definitely do not need a securities license. If you'd like to be able to offer them not only insurance solutions, but, uh, but accumulation and the ability to grow their either savings or their retirement savings or their college savings, if, they'd like to, uh, if you'd like to the ability to offer a securities outlet as well, I recommend that. I recommend that for two reasons. Me personally, I never want to visit a consumer and have to send them somewhere else. So if I'm selling them insurance or I can offer insurance solutions and I can't offer investment advice, I'm forcing them or requiring them to use someone else. And for me personally, I would never want to send my customer to someone else. That's the first reason. And the second reason is an insurance agent's business. The value of your own personal business often is recurring revenue. Not how many people you sold an insurance policy to, but how does your business make money over time? And the best renewals currently in the industry, trail commissions that pay, are being paid on assets under management. And the largest, and the more assets under management you have, the more recurring revenue you have, the more value your business is worth. So at some point in time, if you want to sell your business as an insurance agent, if you have recurring revenue, your business would, could potentially be worth more. So I think that's the other reason to look at a securities-based platform versus just selling insurance products. Fantastic. Now, most of my listeners like to find out who they're listening to, a little bit more about them personally. So we're going to start to talk a little personally, personal. 
and I'll probably find out things I haven't found out in 50 years. We'll just tell the folks I'm your dad. So <laughs> I, tell I think we should anyhow for full disclosure. Now, my first question I'm going to ask you is one that you asked me about 20 years ago sitting at the dinner table. I'm going to ask you the same thing because you never told me. Do you crumple or fold your toilet paper? I'm a folder. Did <laughs> I catch you off guard, I hope? <laughs> yes, very good question. Good. Tell me, Mark, about the relations you have with the people you work with, your employees primarily. Sure. So we have 118 employees. Um, unfortunately, the higher up you get um, and the more employees that you um, employ, the tougher it is to get to know everyone. Um, I pride myself on at least knowing um, a little bit about every employee. Um, once, about, about every two weeks, I take uh, three to four employees to lunch. Again, it's almost every week. I attempt to do that when I'm in town, um, and it's literally just an opportunity for me to get to know someone on a very casual basis, a little bit more about them. So I'd probably say for 75 or 80% of our employees, I know um, where they live, I know um, about their significant others, about their children, maybe about some of their hobbies. To me, it's important for them to, for me to know them, uh, much more so than just their job description or the fact that they work for me, and, and probably more importantly is for them to know me. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's important to know your employees. Um, I take a lot of pride in spending time with our employees. Uh, we do a lot for, for our employees on an annual basis. Um, but, yeah, I think it's uh, incredibly important to know, know who you are and for them to know me. What project would you consider your most significant career accomplishment to date? My most significant career accomplishment would be um, currently I have been president of Brokers International for the past two and a half years. In that two and a half years, we have grown our top line premium by over 75%, close to 100% in the past two and a half years. When you say, when um, you say top line premium, do you, is that the equivalent to somebody that's not in the insurance business of, of like gr gross Revenue, sales, what's that mean? Uh, gross sales, yep. So if I look at the total amount of business we have sold, our, top, our, our gross sales number has grown by just about 100% in the past two and a half years. Wow. The revenue generated from those sales has grown about 25 to 30% in that two and a half year time frame. Wow. So the revenue is the amount of money we generate from the sale of a product. So uh, the, probably the most important metric that I look at is the number of agents that do business with us. Two and a half years ago when I started, there were about 1,800 agents that wrote a piece of business with Brokers International. At the end of this year, we'll, we will be close to 3,500. Oh so the number of our customers in the past two and a half years has doubled because for us, the customer is the agent. That's probably my most significant accomplishment in my career other than, well, I would say that's probably my most significant. I'll stop there. Now, now broadside, what have you done professionally that is not an experience you'd like to repeat? And you don't have to answer if you don't want to. <laughs> sure. Professionally, probably my biggest blunder and best learning experience I could possibly ever imagine. My first visit, 20, uh, 15, 17 years ago, I went to work for a carrier. I was a wholesaler for that carrier. 
This was my first visit to a field marketing organization. I went to lunch with that person, and they weren't doing a lot of business with our company. And I literally asked them, why would they want to continue being acquainted with the company? Probably my biggest mistake, because I got my head handed to me at that, at that meeting, not fully understanding why uh, the business and uh, the business of the marketing organization. So I would say that was probably my biggest blunder, but my biggest blunder that paid off um, handsomely in teaching me a lesson uh, about how to deal with customers and the business. Fantastic. What is something you'd be happy doing every single day for the rest of your career? My favorite thing to do, once a week, I call our agents and thank them for the business. And there are two distinct customers that I call. Any new agent that has appointed with Brokers International that writes their first piece of business with us, I call to say thank you. And the second thing I do is I call when an agent writes a large case, and we have defined a, large, you know, a certain dollar amount as a case. Those are my favorite calls to make. Um, number one, because um, I truly am appreciative of the business, and I want to make sure that our customers, our agents, know that. And number two, most businesses never thank their customers. And so for me, they're the most gratifying call I can make all day. I wish I had time to do it every day. But if I could wake up every day and make professionally, and the first thing I do is make a thank you call, it sets the course for my day um, better than anything else I could do. Can you ever see yourself for the rest of your career one day not doing that? Is there any reason that you would not do that? I don't think so. I think I think it means something when the when uh, the person at the top of the organization is reaching out to a customer. Um, so I can't ever imagine a day I'm not thanking someone for the business that they do um, at Brokers International or at any business that I would be at. Unfortunately, sometimes the time gets in the way and you do less of it, but I could ever imagine a time where I'm not thanking someone for doing business with, with, with the business I'm in. You know, I was going to ask you a question, but you just answered it. That was, what are your strengths? Do you work well under pressure? Personally, I think I need pressure to work at my best. Um, and I'm not saying that's the smartest way to do business. But I find myself working harder the closer I get to a deadline, which is my own pressure. So, yes, I think I work better and smarter and make my best decisions when I'm under the gun. How do you relax when you go home? Great question. I read a ton. Um, and I listen to music. So the two thing, the first thing I do when I get home is turn on music. Uh, the first thing I do in the morning when I wake up is turn on music. Um, so my relaxation is music for sure, and casual reading. I enjoy to read. Uh, I enjoy exercising and listening to music while I exercise. The, the best way for me to detach is to go for a run. So if I go for a run for an hour, I literally detach. Sometimes listen to music, sometimes not. But that's total relaxation for me. What's your favorite music? Uh, don't have any. Actually, interesting. I just had this conversation with a friend of mine. I will go listen to any type of live music because I have a huge appreciation for what it is to make music. So I'm not sure I have a genre that I like more than others. I just enjoy watching someone make music. That's not part of your DNA by any chance, is it? <laughs> Give it your heart. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. What is absurd to most people that you really like to do? 
probably critique, um, getting criticism. Criticism, unfortunately, has a really um, it has a negative connotation. Um, I think most of us know what we're good at. Most of us don't want to admit what we're not good at. I um, sincerely enjoy when someone, especially professionally, points out things that I could do better at. And I'll provide an example for you because I think it's a sneak peek into me a little bit. One, again, one of the best lessons I learned, it happened about 15, 16 years ago. I was in a meeting with my peers. And um, for those of you that don't know me well, I'm a very direct person. Um, I usually say exactly what's on my mind. I'm in a meeting with my peers. One of my peers makes a comment. We're brainstorming about ideas. I didn't like the idea. And I literally said, I think that's a lousy idea. At the end of that meeting, my boss took me out of the room and said, oh my. she literally said to me, everyone agrees with your opinion, but boy, you have a really nasty way of saying things. <laughs> and she said, if I were on the other end of that, I would get incredibly defensive. You're literally telling me you don't like my idea or don't like something I've, I've said or done, and that can be hurtful. She said, there are ways to say it that wouldn't be so hurtful. And her comment to me was, had you said, you know what, I see things a little differently. Or, I understand that, but I think you should do it this way, or I think we should do it that way. She said, you're getting across the same message. You don't like the idea, but you're, you're delivering in a different way. And her comment was, if your wife came home and she had a shirt on that you didn't like, and she asked you, do you like it? If you said, no, I don't like it, it might hurt her feelings. One way to say it might be, hey, instead of wearing yellow, you should possibly try red. Or instead of stripes, vertical stripes, you should try horizontal. She said, essentially, you're saying the same thing without saying the same thing. It's the best lesson, one of the best lessons I ever learned. And to this day, literally to this day, oftentimes I will think to myself, what's the best, literally before I open my mouth, I'll say to myself, what's the best way to say this? Um, again, being direct it's not always what we say, but it's how we say it. And it was probably one of the best lessons I'd ever learned. Fantastic. What's your favorite word? Uh, my favorite it, it, it word? Could be, it could be a nasty word. We're all adults. My favorite word. Yeah. I have a favorite phrase, and it's, is that fair enough? And I happen to use that quite a bit. I happen to like that phrase. Um, if I were to say one word, it's probably shit. Because sometimes that can be used in such a great way, like, oh, that, that's the shit. Or, shit, that's bad. Right. <laughs> so it's got a fundamental, uh, universal uh, tone to it, depending on how you use it. And uh, people usually know exactly how you feel. <laughs> what word do you not like to hear, your least favorite word from anybody? Disappointed. Without a doubt, uh, the word that probably stings me the most is when someone is disappointed. Because to me, that's a letdown. If you're disappointed in something or someone, or someone is disappointed in me, um, I didn't receive what was expected, so I'm disappointed, and someone didn't receive what they expected from me. And that word probably stings the most. What sound or noise do you love to hear? It's interesting because both love and hate will be the same answer um, or comes from the same source. My favorite thing in the world is to hear a, a child laugh. Um, I love laughter. And to hear, a, uh, to hear a child laugh, it's this unbridled, just innocent, 
just joy. So I love to hear a, a child laugh, or I love laughter in general. And I would submit that the worst sound, and I travel a ton, is a crying baby. <laughs> that, that was the next question, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be the most irritating, uh, under-the-skin under the noise you could possibly hear is a screaming baby. <laughs> if money was not an object, and time was not an object, and your health was not an object, what profession would you like to attempt that you haven't done? I would love I would love to be a car mechanic. I love working with my hands and it's one of the few things that you I'll answer this way. I sometimes can't see the end result of what I do. Um, yeah. Our agents help lots of people, and I'm very proud of the work that an insurance agent does for his consumer, but I don't necessarily see that in the position I'm in. There's something about building something or creating something or fixing something with your hands that gives you such satisfaction. And I love cars, and I would... Had I do it all over again, or would I try this at some point in time? Love to be a mechanic. Actually, on a personal note, Mother and I talk about that every day, and I say the same thing every day. <laughs> so that's the DNA also. <laughs> what would you like to hear in heaven about you? Winston. Um So written on my tombstone, probably... No, 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 not on your tombstone. In heaven. That Mark treated people fairly. Man of, man of integrity. What secret talent do you have that nobody knows about? I can juggle. <laughs> can you really? <laughs> hey, folks, I can juggle. I'm finding out all kinds of things I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best compliment you ever got? And then I want to hear the worst. I'm a true friend. Um, when someone, when someone's in a pickle, a real pickle, and they need someone to help them, that I'm there for them. That's probably one of the greatest compliments I could get, or I've gotten. The worst, which wouldn't be a compliment, of course, but just spat at you, if you will. Other than the time that lady told you what you weren't saying right. Yeah. Again, I'll go back to the disappointment. At, at some point in my career, unfortunately, I've had to let a few people go from a, from a various position or a company. And for someone to say they're disappointed in me or I handled the situation not the way they would have expected me to handle it yep. is probably the biggest criticism. That stings me the most. I know you a long time and I know you've done a lot of things. What's the weirdest job you ever had? Because <laughs> you felt was strange that you did it anyhow. Mm -hmm. I, ne I never really had a weird job, but I had two jobs that I sold, I sold shoes when I was in high school for four shine shoes, and I hate feet. So I will tell you that that was, it's not a weird job at all. I just don't love feet. So putting shoes on people's feet wasn't awesome. Um, that's probably the weirdest job, but I did work for... When I was out, of, when I got out of the service, I came, I was working in Atlanta for uh, very close friends of our family, and I was working in a scrap metal yard, and I oh, bought and sold scrap metal all day long. Right. That was probably it was dirty. Uh, you sat out in by the scale, and you dealt with just very interesting people all day, and it was a dirty, nasty job, and uh, bickering, and you're essentially to go. It was just it was just a horrible experience. I didn't love that job.
One more question. What's the strangest encounter you've ever had? Oh, the strangest encounter I've ever had. Hmm. I was on a train in Turkey, and a person sat down next to me and literally swore I was a member of their family. So it was a mistaken identity, and this person literally for 45 minutes was convinced I was a member of their family. That was probably the most interesting and weird experience I've ever had, trying to convince someone I really wasn't related to them. (laughs) That's great. Now, first I want to thank you, and I'm sure my audience will thank you for the time we spent together. I learned more things in the last half hour than I've learned in 50 years, I will tell you that. (laughs) Next thing is, as a parting shot, I want you to tell everybody again the name of your company and how they can get in touch with you either by email or phone or letter because I'm sure there's going to be some people that are going to want to talk to you. How do they do that? Sure. So, uh, again, it's Mark Williams, President and CEO of Brokers International. We are out of um, Des Moines, Iowa. So we say call, click, or stop by. So to call, our 800 number is 1-800-362-1097. Again, that's 800-362-1097. You can visit us on our website at brokers inter- uh, B- brokersinternational.com or bi ltd.com and that's b i l t as in tom d as in david.com or you can stop by if you happen to be in des moines iowa and we are in urbandale iowa uh, give us a call we'd love to, to hear from you and uh, and or you can reach out to me directly uh through the broker's website or our 800 number mike thanks a million this thank you very much for having it